Hi, this is Trevor Jackson. Welcome to Tomorrow is Mine and our Summer Snap series. Over the extended holiday break, we'll be looking back over some of the more fascinating conversations from the podcast, with two students featured in each episode. These bite-sized snapshots are a bit like your favourite holiday photos, a reminder of a memorable moment and a chance to revisit that experience again. If you missed these conversations the first time around, then it's a great opportunity to get a taste of those stories and perhaps inspire you to dig a little deeper by going back to the original show. What you're about to hear over the coming weeks are some of the most talked about guests who have appeared on the podcast, as well as a few that may have slipped under the radar the first time around. Each of our Summer Snaps episodes will be linked by a theme where often the students featured will be from entirely different cultural backgrounds or pursuing studies that have no direct relationship with each other. The one thing that they all have in common is that they have come to the Gold Coast, a city that respects and embraces cultural diversity, while giving these students the opportunity to pursue their dreams. In many cases, the students are only just beginning to discover who they really are, as they start to realise their true potential. The second of our Summer Snap series features two students whose stories are nothing short of inspiring. Both came from very humble beginnings on the opposite sides of the world to pursue their dreams on the Gold Coast. First up is Joseph Prosper, who was raised in refugee camps in Africa until he was 13, when his family were taken in by the Norwegian government. Now, as an architecture student at Griffith University, Joseph is designing a future that would have seemed all but impossible growing up as a refugee in Malawi. His recollection into that part of his life, imbued with his wonderful sense of humour, are an extraordinary revelation. One that won't be quickly forgotten. What are your earliest memories of growing up in the Congo? Growing up in Congo was, it was definitely challenging. And I say challenging now because I'm a grown-up and when I think back to the kind of life that, you know, my family and I had, like, yeah, it was definitely challenging. But I think it was more challenging to my mom and dad uh, because they had five children who they cannot, for circumstances that are out of their control, they, they cannot, you know, provide food for them. So there were days that we only ate once. And I remember... Those days when you just wait for that one meal and it felt like, like it felt like a very big gift, which I got to share with my, with my entire family. Like we got to sit around and we chat and, you know, we shared this, this one meal and we were extremely thankful for it. So there, of course, like, you know, those aspects of living in Congo were definitely rewarding and sometimes I actually miss those. But then there were other aspects where like, you know, it was like the environment in which we were, were living, like it was, it was very, really uncertain. Like because at any time that there might be um, rebels roaming around, and if you're unlucky, you might be caught, and God knows what might happen. In the refugee camp, you have all these different cultures, and the environment is very welcoming, where you can pretty much talk to anyone because, well, you're in the same situation, and you all understand each other's struggles. So it's easy to connect like that. But at the same time, like you can't really offer that much help to, to each other either. So it's more like just social connections. 
I know you didn't, despite the fact that it was a kind of rudimentary life yeah. in a lot of ways, yeah. you didn't go without everything. You did have yeah. television, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. And this amazes um, me, like, and, that you got TV in a refugee camp. Yes. Was it one TV and 100,000 people <laughs> trying to cram in to watch it? Or? No, yeah, so my dad has always been a businessman. So w- when we arrived in, uh, in the refugee camp in Malawi, um, I think two years later, he decided to, um, to travel to South Africa to go and find work. So he did that, and then when he came back, he brought a TV, and then he brought this amazing CD player. <laughs> wow, he would have been the most popular guy in the camp. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so, when, so he, he came back and then decided to build like a small movie theater in the refugee camp. Definitely. Real entrepreneur, yeah. Yes. Uh, so, you know, um, we'll charge people to come, to come and, you know, um, watch movies, uh, watch music on MTV, channel O, I don't know. MTV, you're watching MTV. MTV? Yes, MTV. You grew up watching MTV. So, yeah, from the age of 10, I started watching MTV. Right. You're in Africa, you're in a refugee camp in yes. Africa, and See, you're watching the, yeah. the most overt representation of Western culture. Exactly, yeah. MTV. So what, I was, what are you thinking when you're watching that? I, well, I was definitely westernized from a, <laughs> from, a, from a very young age. Yeah, so I think like watching MTV and just all these other Western movies, like, you know, kind of gave me like another picture of how life can be, yeah. of how the other people live lives. So MTV had this crazy crazy TV show called uh, MTV Cribs. Yeah. MTV Cribs, you know, focuses on celebrities showcasing their houses. And these are like fancy million dollar houses. So sitting there watching that, I was like, oh man, like what is someone doing with 20 bedrooms in, yeah. <laughs> in their house? And did, you, did you find that offensive? When you're looking like, at that really audacious, overt no, yeah, showing think, off yeah, of like yeah. what you own yeah, exactly. you know, think, and I, how I, you live, I, surely I def- for you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, def- I definitely didn't find that offensive. I found it interesting. I, I could sit there for hours and watch those shows because it was just, you know, it was a very interesting concept because yeah. you're living in this place where you have to share one bedroom with maybe uh, three or four of your siblings. While you have uh, kids in the U.S. getting uh, Lamborghinis and Ferraris at the age of sixteen, and you're thinking, <laughs> you're thinking, "How do I go from here? From to there, there to there?" Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Trying to figure and, that out. Yeah, that's it. So, and when you start to think that, it's more like it can become really hopeless really fast because there aren't that many options to reach that stage from a refugee camp, unless, of course, you know what happened to us. You know, of course, through um, UNHCR, we were able to immigrate to Norway. What did cool. you know about Norway? Because I'm sure nothing. they didn't go into no, it very deeply on MTV. <laughs> nothing. I, I, you know, I, I knew nothing about Norway. The only thing that I, you know, was excited about is getting my own room and having a TV in my own room. So you leave the camp and you haven't set foot outside that camp in six years, have you? Yes, exactly. When you Do leave the camp, you yeah. finally walk out there. You've been there for so much of your life. Yeah. And then suddenly you're <laughs> on your way to the airport. Exactly. Yeah. It's um. Oh, man, it was. I, I I quite didn't think much about it. I think I was just, you know, okay. So this is happening. Fine. Go with the flow. <laughs> Go with the flow. <laughs> yeah. we, are, we, are, okay. we are going the flow. I think it was. It was until we reached the airport in in Norway in, in Oslo that it kind of hit me like a brick. Like, oh wow, we were no longer in the refugee camp. Like, we're in the place we are. Like, this is more advanced now. They have escalators. They have elevators. So I remember my older sister, when we were, you know, so we reached the airport and we had to go upstairs 
and we had to take the escalator. And I remember her just, you know, trying to put her first foot. <laughs> trying to put a foot on the, on the escalator. And what the rest and of the she, family yeah, just watching. Just watching. See how it's done. And she's just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Foot <laughs> on, foot off. Foot I, on, foot I, off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that happened. And then we get into an elevator. So we get in. The door's closed. And we, we're just standing there. Okay. So... <laughs> What do we do now? <laughs> there are buttons there. We, do, we don't know which button to press. So um, I think, um, so... Um, <laughs> I love this thought. So what you <laughs> get in, you all get in the lift. The doors close and everyone looks at each other and thinks, oh my God, what yeah. happens now? This, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not working. It. It's not working, yeah. <laughs> it's not. So oh we're, just, we're just standing there. Yeah, like this is how inexperienced we are. So we're just standing there and then, you know, uh, this person comes in and you know press a few buttons and we start you know we feel like we are moving up and like, oh wow this is very cool yeah so and mind you i i used to watch mtv cribs so that you know some of these houses had elevators in them yeah but you never saw anyone push a button or no, anything. I didn't. yeah they just get in and then next thing I they're getting out exactly yeah. yeah 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 um yeah and then you know so the the um, this dead government um sends this big bus to come and pick up, pick us up from from, from the airport and we were like, oh my, well, wow, this is a like top customer service we are getting. <laughs> <laughs> so they drive us to these two newly built homes, and they built this just for us. So you know, of course, one is from, you know uh, my family, and one is from for my sister's family. And it's just like there are definitely those moments when, even as a kid, like you just sit and just oh, like think how lucky you are. Like you know, like all of this has been prepared. For you, and you don't know, you know. It must have felt like Christmas. You, you don't know. Oh, yeah. certainly, yeah, certainly. Like now, you have toilets inside. You have this ma- massive kitchen, uh, electricity that doesn't go out once in a while. Like you have um, actually appliances, exactly, and, yeah, yeah. and, and it's, all of it's this. The, the all of this thing. was provided by the Norwegian government. Yes, like you get into a house and everything is in there. Like you don't have to buy anything. Bedding, everything. Everything is yeah, o- yeah. organized for clothes, you. Clothes, all that sort of stuff. That's it. Yeah. Was there a bicycle yeah. in your room? The, the, there was not no bicycle in my room. It came later though. It it did it did. So you're thirteen. <laughs> yes. Now, yes. And you're going to school, yeah. a proper school for the a first time school. in your life. A proper school. Yes. You got to learn in Norwegian. Yes. A language you don't speak. That's it. And how does that work? How do you do that? Oh man! So I remember my first day of school. Oh man! I think. Yeah, my 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 heart was beating so hard. It was it was insane. I was so so nervous. So they come and um, pick my brother and I up to you know to go to school. So we reach the school, and we enter the building. We look around like we can see any other African people, and I'm like, oh okay, so <laughs> wow, all right. They give us a tour of the the classrooms. Um, pretty much the entire building and of course like you know they have computers and everything like my mind is going nuts had you ever seen a computer before i had like so in the refugee camp they had there was this office close by that they had one computer like that brick white uh windows 93 or something i was gonna say some some relic (laughs) from the past yeah Yeah, yeah, exactly yeah Yeah. Um, but these these ones are like you know proper they, they were running a windows vista or something and of course, like I was really excited about that, but the thing I was really worried about was how I was going to kind of, you know, um, 
put my shyness away and actually embrace this new environment. Not only did Joseph put his shyness away and embrace his new environment, his decision to pursue tertiary studies at Griffith University on the Gold Coast has proven to be a transformative experience. He really is a remarkable young man. Mikhail Yidemev is also a student at Griffith. He grew up in poverty in Moscow, and when his mother passed away, Mikhail was taken to an orphanage at the age of 12. It was there that he began to turn his life around. Despite having no money, Mikhail dreamed of travelling the world and decided the only way he could do that was through education. With a little bit of good fortune, Mikhail seized on an opportunity to visit the US through a working vacation program for international students. But up until then, Mikhail had never travelled anywhere outside Russia in his entire life. As Mikhail says, for a young man who'd grown up in an orphanage with no money to his name, he may as well have been travelling to the moon. So the day when we applied for the visa, it was a long queue, so we spent four hours in the queue, all students, so it was queue inside of the building, embassy of US. For me, already being in US embassy, they have toilets different. <laughs> they have everything is different. Like tables, chairs, they're just different. It's like you're already in America and you <laughs> see flags, everything, which is very unusual to Russian reality. So it was like already excited. Wow, this is like I, I have this feeling already <laughs> something really exciting. I had never been overseas anywhere. So for me, it's already wow, this is cool. And by statistics, it's very hard to get this visa. It's called J1, when you can work and live there. And 8 of 10 students, they get rejected of this visa because of many, many reasons. But probably because you can stay in America illegally after the program. So this is the biggest concern. This is why they don't give the visa for some students. And I was worried because I had never before... Anywhere, some students, they already travel to Europe, to other countries. They already have like a travel history to show, to present that, ah, you see, I'm here in in Russia, I travel, so... I I didn't run away, I came back. Yeah, I I came back. (laughs) I'm not a risk. So, I was a bit kind of concerned about that. But all these thoughts on my mind, I just, I get rid of. I thought, okay, I don't want to think about this. I will definitely go. This is just no reason. I spent all the time thinking about how I spend my time in America, how I'm going to live there. So I imagined all the time. So I thought there's just no other option for me that what I'm going to do if I'm not going to America. So that day I went to the embassy and it was my turn to go to the ambassador. And I just present all my documents. And she asked me only one question. What's your favorite type of swimming uh, just a butterfly this is what i know and she said okay that's okay. it that's the only question this is the only question she asked me <laughs> and that's all and she said thank you thank you uh, next one oh my god because if you're rejected they give you a4 paper green color very green color noticeable it means you got rejected this is the explanation why you rejected probably basic information and you, are these american officials that are interviewing you or russian american yeah so do you think it's also about they wanted to see how proficient you were at English? Like oh, no, no. I think, no, there was not about English. I, I think they already knew about who you are, what your program is. They don't ask 
questions. Some of them, some students say they ask some questions, but this is only one question they ask me. My favorite... Your favorite swimming stroke? Yeah, stroke. Butterfly. I said butterfly. Okay. And then what happened? I was super excited because I understood I got the visa. Yeah. I got a visa to America, to US, to my new brand new passport. <laughs> I had no other visas. First, any visas. That's extraordinary. Yeah, it was. It you was must have been able to believe that going, I could, I could what kind of a question is that? To answer that question and that's it. Yeah. And you're in. I had no idea because before <laughs> me there was a girl and she got rejected. She had the same job, uh, lifeguard in a swimming pool. She traveled quite a lot. She had some Schengen visas to European Union. She was third year of university. So she was older than you. She was older. So she was a perfect student because I was the first year. I could just got rid of my university and stay in America because this is what happens because I have nothing to lose. I just studied for one year and yeah. then I have nothing to lose. For her case, it was different. She studied for three years and staying in America, it was a bit stupid. But you see, they gave me the visa, but they didn't give it to her. And it was like, wow. And it was many, many other students because while I was in EQ, I saw many students with this paper, green paper, all projected. After that, you mustn't have been able to think about anything else but America between the time you're accepted and the time you you actually left Russia. You wouldn't have been able to think about anything else. Well, this was my main goal, I think, just main reason, because this was the first year I left orphanage and this was my first year in university, and I just thought, okay, now what I was dreaming about is to go somewhere. But I couldn't imagine this, the first country will be America. And it was my first flight ever on a plane. It was direct flight from Moscow to Washington, D.C. I'd never been in airport in my life. So what was it like getting on an aircraft for the first time in your life, heading off into some great unknown adventure... No idea really. I was just super excited. I was not scared at all. I had no fear at all. I was just excited and I I wanted it as soon as possible. I didn't think about what's gonna happen. What if I don't have a job? Or what if I don't have any money? Or what what can happen? I had never thought about this anything. But as you said, you had nothing to lose. I had nothing to lose and I was it's just super cool. It's hard to explain what I felt, but I was just super happy. It's just the first thing I achieved in my life by myself without basically a help, and I achieved it. And I'm here, and I went to America, and I thought, this is going to be super cool. Okay, so when you went into the embassy and you talked about how the furniture was different, the toilets were different, everything was different, what was it like flying into Washington and you looked out and you saw America? Well, even already in airplane, it was already experience because it was american airlines it's already american all stewards they were americans food were americans and i was like this is incredible this is like i'm in a movie there's probably some cameras because i'm just feeling this is what i thought before i imagined and this is really coming coming through it's just this is my life and i just I'm in a movie. It was you super can't believe it. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. And when they were, we were already ach- uh, achieving Washington, D.C., I could f- see from uh, the window all these houses, f- swimming pools, and it was pure morning. It was just super cool. Uh, and when we landed, I had only my backpack. I didn't have any luggage. And I thought, okay, what am I going to do now? I didn't prepare myself. I had no plans. I, I knew only I have a job. 
which starts in two weeks only, I had the address of my employer who will like look after me and provide the job. But before that, I'm just by myself. I was just super excited. I haven't even prepared myself. You didn't so care. I didn't care. I didn't <laughs> care. I, it, I will figure out something on my way. So I went to the administration desk and I asked, could you give me please address of the hostel somewhere in, in the city? And the lady, she gave me the map and she pointed on a New York Avenue, the hostel. And I thought, okay, cool. How can I get to the city? But I didn't ask her. Oh, thank you so much. I just look around and I see people following to some bus station. I thought, oh, probably this is going to the city. I have no idea, but probably. <laughs> just get on this bus. Yeah, I just caught this bus. Bus, bus could have been going anywhere. <laughs> could be, could be. But I decided, okay, I had no idea, really. I was just, going back to this time, I, I now can th- think that it's a bit quite stupid that I didn't prepare myself, but well, I was super na- excited. Naive, I wouldn't I say was stupid. Naive. Yeah. I naive, I was just super naive, <laughs> but it worked out pretty yeah. well. And yeah. we, we stopped in the metro station in Washington, D.C., and I thought, okay, this is where I'm in the map. I need to catch this train and go to the station. And I, I had a stop on Pentagon station, and I only heard about Pentagon on TV, on news, or uh, the movies, and now... I go outside of metro station. Here's the Pentagon, <laughs> like famous building of the whole America. I know, wow. And then I walked to yeah, long. Of all way. places, the first substantial building you land outside of the airport in Washington is the military headquarters. Yes. and you're Russian. Now, what does <laughs> that? What does that tell you? It was incredible. <laughs> He's with the KGB. <laughs> Another spy. <laughs> so what happened then? You you land at the Pentagon and then. I, I don't know, if, if it was me, I probably would have just wanted to walk everywhere to see. This because, is Because you don't want to get on a subway or anything because you're going to miss out. You just want to see everything. Yeah, but I first thought that I need to to get this place. So I thought, okay, I'm going to walk there because it's, for me it's easier to walk to this place following the map rather than catching this train because it was a bit complicated to understand all these signs in English because my English was not good at all. As I remember, it was like very basic. Even... One lady on the street, I asked, where's the Apple store? And she said, what? What? And I thought, Apple? This is what we learn in English. Apple, Apple. store. But it's the Apple store. <laughs> and then I found out it says Apple, not Apple. Because in <laughs> Russian, we learn it's Apple. So it was challenging for me to understand. So I decided I will just walk to this place. And I spent like almost two hours walking. I can see all these hot dog places on the street, people cooking all these hot dogs like on a movie. <laughs> It was super cool. There's all this <laughs> yellow taxi, people in smoking suits. Cool. It was amazing. Mikhail never stopped traveling after that first US trip, working hard to save money to give himself every opportunity to see the world. But it's Australia, and more specifically the Gold Coast, where his heart lies, and where he plans to stay after completing his master's in hospitality and management at Griffith University. I got on the plane and when I flew to Gold Coast, it was beautiful. And this is another part of my life. Two months in Australia, I just fell in love. It was different because I didn't work here. I only studied. I stayed in a host family. We spoke only English. And the family was great. Very great people. Absolutely great, amazing experience. They treat me like their own son. I learned how to play golf. I played football. I met so many young people from different nationalities. I mean, in Russia, you wouldn't... It's very, very hard to see any, 
like nationalities because mostly it's come from the same places. But here I met Brazilians, Koreans, Japanese. Never seen Japanese people. Never <laughs> seen basically anyone. Wow, this is incredible. And I studied with them. I become very close friends with my English teacher. She is originally from Portugal. We start to keep in touch. We had dinners with my family, with friends. We hang out. And this was a great experience. I was like, oh my God, wow. Because when I was in America, I didn't have this kind of thoughts that, oh, maybe I should stay here and live here permanently. It was or, exciting. But yeah, yeah, it was exciting, but not to stay here because life was a bit struggling for every immigrant because we spoke to many, many students who stayed in America and we knew that, oh, this is quite a tough life in America if you're an immigrant, if you especially don't have rights to work. But here's a bit different. No one thinks about money, incomes, businesses, all about having good time. <laughs> e- everything about dancing, beach time, everything about volleyball, just enjoying the it's life. It's all about lifestyle, quality of life. This is what I found different from the America lifestyle. Yeah. It's just people think about how to have a good time. And this is why I fell in love because... I didn't experience something like this. I traveled quite a lot before I came here this time. I visited almost 35 countries mm-hmm. in total. And I always compared to other countries, compared to Australia, because I, I knew that Australia is a very hard to get a visa to stay here permanently. And I thought, okay, if there's other options, where I would stay? And I started comparing also US, uh, France, Spain, Italy, any place where I've been before, mm-hmm. but I couldn't find anything. This is my place. The Gold Coast, but perfect lifestyle. And this is where I feel I belong to this place. I just was born in different place. I was raised in different place. But this, this is, is home this is my in my heart. This is yeah. like, uh, Gold Coast is my home. Home is where the heart is. In the next episode of our Summer Snap series, you'll meet two international students who were so determined to be true to themselves that they boldly left their past behind them to follow their dreams. I hope you can join me next time for Tomorrow Is Mine.